Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. As we continue our series, Holding Nothing Back, if you would go ahead and turn... Uh, pull your Bibles out. I'm going to start with Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to actually be going through a lot of Scripture this morning. Here's what I would encourage you to do. I'd encourage you to write down the Scripture references, and then when you have time, go back and go through those. Let God speak to you through them. There's nothing better than taking notes. Taking notes solidifies the knowledge you gain uh, in your mind and in your heart. It, it just locks it in. And so I encourage you to always do that each and every week. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 8, as we continue our new series, Holding Nothing Back. It says, you will make a new start, listening, listening obediently to God, keeping all His commandments and that I am commanding you today. God, your God, will outdo Himself in making things go well for you. Verse 10, but only if you listen obediently to God, your God, and keep the commandments and regulations written in this book of Revelation. Nothing half-hearted here. You must return to God, your God, totally heart and soul, holding nothing back. We're not half-hearted here this morning. Amen? This is not a room of half-hearted Christians. These are people in this room that love the Lord, that are seeking God, that are going after God with all that you got. And God always responds to people who respond to Him in that way. Amen. Last week we talked about the principle of first things. First belong to God. That the first always belong to God. God gave His first in the form of Jesus to us. And His desire is that we give Him our first back to Him. That is a covenantal exchange. It's, a, it's an exchange based on a covenant that we have with God. That I am His and He is mine. What is His belongs to me and what, what is mine belongs to Him. That we are in this thing together. I don't know about you, but I feel like we got the better end of the bargain, don't you? We got the better end of the deal. God says, everything I have is yours. You just make sure that you give everything you have back to me. And we talked about how it requires faith to go first. God showed His faith in you and me that while we were yet sinners, Christ gave His life for us. And He desires faith in Him as, His, as our provider. And faith always goes first. It gives before the blessing is secured. It trusts the provider. It trusts that He is working things out to our good. We talked about uh, lastly, about living under a curse versus living under a blessing, that God's principles always provide and protect us from the curse and effects of sin. We are born flawed. We are born under the curse of sin, and it is Jesus Christ that puts a canopy of protection over our lives, and we are hidden from that curse and shielded from that curse and the effects of sin by hiding our lives and placing them in Him. And so this morning I want to continue our series with the message, Finding Freedom 
in giving. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit in this room. It is confirmation, Lord, that where we are going is where you are taking us. I pray that, God, you would just begin to open hearts and minds in this room, that, God, you would guide this uh, next few moments, Lord, that you would take us where you want us to go. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your uh, impartation of faith into our lives, God, that gives us the ability to trust you and to follow you and to believe you. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first point I want to make this morning is this, that for me to find freedom in giving, I have to find the life in giving. For me to find freedom in giving, i got to find the life in giving. How many of you want to do something that has no life in it? Nobody. Uh, How many of you feel like you're doing some things that have no life in them? Amen? Uh, I'm not getting anything out of this deal. I mean, it is sucking me dry. We talked about that a little bit while we were uh, waiting for communion. It's so true that there are a lot of things that are sucking the life out of us. And uh, the things of God, I believe this firmly, that even though in my life I have experienced things of God that seem to suck the life out of me, I don't believe that's God's plan. I don't believe that's God's intent. And I believe that when we find ourselves in those positions, that we need to reposition we need to reestablish a connection with God and really find the, the source of life because everything He is is about life. And so if I am in the place of His provision and in His plan and in His purpose, there is always life in those things. And so if giving is a part of the process, then i got to find the life in that as well. Amen. Jesus said this. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. All three of those things. I want to follow in my life, and I know you want to follow in yours. I want to know the way I should go. I, I want to know the truth. I, I want to know what is real and what is not real. Amen? I, I don't want to be under a cloud of misunderstanding. I want to know the truth. I want to know the, the life that comes that God has promised. He said, I will give you life, and I will give it to you in the full. I want to find that. I want to connect with that. If that's your promise, I want that working in me. And I want it working in every aspect of my life that surrounds me. Those are all great things to pursue. They are found by pursuing and following Jesus. We want to find the way in giving. How how do I get to the blessings of God? We want to know the truth of giving. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free, right? That's the scripture. We give from a place of freedom, not from a place of bondage. So help me find the truth in that I want to be free. We want to find the life in giving. Where is the life? Where there is life, there is Jesus, and He is our true pursuit every single time. So let's find the life and not focus so much on following the rules or following the law. Will those two things overlap? Yes, every single time. Because here's the, here's the reality of our journey is that when we find the life of Christ, in many ways we automatically start following the law of Christ. When we find the life of Christ, we automatically start following the laws of Christ. Remember, Jesus told us He did not come, away, come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. His life in you is what makes us living up to God's standard possible. Giving. When we talk about giving, giving is about a heart oriented in the right way 
not necessarily actions being oriented in the right way, in a certain way. God always deals with the heart. The law or the rules always deal with the will. Let me say that again. God always deals with the heart. The law or rules, if you will, always deal with the will. What will you do? You are to do. You should not do. You have to do. It always deals with the will. The will follows the heart, but the heart does not necessarily follow the will. I said the heart, the will follows the heart, but the heart does not necessarily follow the will. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Which would you rather have ladies in the room? Ladies. A husband who did the dishes because he loves you and wants to do something for you, or a husband who does the dishes because you told him he better get them done or else? I can tell by the look on some of your faces that you're saying, I don't care. As long as they get done, it don't matter to me. (laughs) Jesus gave us a better way. That's what I'm trying to tell you. There is a better way. Men, now let me flip it. Men, would you rather have this men in your life? A wife who cooks your favorite meal because she loves you and wants to be good to you or a wife who cooks that meal because you told her you were going to your mother's if she did not? Some of you guys, I don't care, I'm hungry. (laughs) We want the will to follow the heart. Amen? We want the heart to lead the way. The will must follow the heart because the heart does not necessarily follow the will. Listen to this. Force, force without feeling ends in frustrated failure. When I force things to happen without feeling The drive behind that, guess what happens? It ends in frustrated failure most of the time. It it ends in disappointment. It ends in discouragement. You may get your way, but you're not happy. The dishes may get done, but it's not joyful. It's still frustrating that we had to fight about it. You may still get to eat fried chicken, but it's not going to taste the same. It's always better when the will follows the heart. God cares, listen to me, God cares about the intent of the heart far more than He cares about our actions. Do actions matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because they are an indicator of what? Your heart. So your actions do matter. Jesus said, if you love me, If your heart's for me, then what will you do? You'll keep my commandments. So if you have a heart for me, you'll automatically start to follow after my will and after my plan and after my guidance and direction. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Now listen to me. The purpose of this series is to help you find the life and the heart in giving, not only the command of giving. Is the command of giving important? Absolutely. You've got to understand the why behind the what. But it's more important that you understand the who behind both of those things. 
That if you really understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is about, and when we get to that place where we have a real understanding of Him and His relationship with us and His desire to do good in our lives, then following Him and doing what He asks of us is an easy task because we know it always works out for our good and His glory every single time. Out of the heart springs the issues of life. Romans 8 1 says, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are here to find truth and empowerment and find the life in doing what God has commanded us. The Old Testament, the law, if you will, mandated a tenth in giving. That's what the tithe means. When we see the tithe show up, in the Old Testament, and even when it's referred to in the New Testament, it always refers to a tenth. That's what was mandated in the Old Testament. What does the New Testament mandate? That's a great question. It mandates this. It mandates a heart of a giver. It it, it mandates that we have a heart of a giver. What humanity was required to do as an act of will in the Old Testament, God desires done as an act of the heart in the New Testament. What we were commanded to do in the Old Testament, God wants us to naturally do in in the Old Testament. God wants us to naturally do in the New Testament because we have a heart for Him and we desire to follow after Him. Now listen to this. What the New Testament did was always raise the standard, not lower it. What the New Testament did was always raise the standard of life, not lower the standard of life. If we see grace as a means by which to lower the standard of living and morality, we are missing the point of grace. Grace is never an accomplice to sin. It is never an accomplice to live a low life. It is never an accomplice to not rise to a higher level of living. It is a means by which we fulfill the law of God and live up to His standard of perfection through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The New Testament and our relationship with Jesus raises the standard of everything. Many people today see grace as an opportunity to do what you want to and then say, well, I'm in grace. But it was never meant for that. It was always meant to help us to rise to another level of living. Let me give you some examples of this in Scripture. Matthew 5, 21. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But Jesus says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause, shall be in danger of judgment. Did that lower the standard or raise the standard? Has anybody ever murdered somebody else while you're driving? I have killed a lot of people driving according to the standard of Scripture right here. It's true. So what does that compel me to do? It compels me to grow. It compels me to be better. It compels me to guard my tongue, guard my mind, guard my heart, guard my actions. Matthew 5, 27, Jesus goes on. He says, you have heard it said that those of old, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Does that lower the standard or raise the standard? It raises the standard. 
The standard in the Old Testament for giving was what? 10%. What is the standard in the New Testament for giving? Acts 2.44, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Did that lower the standard or raise the standard? Acts 4.32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Somebody say all things. In the New Testament, what portion belongs to God? All things. It's all His. Every bit of it belongs to Him. It's always about the heart. And the heart has to be rooted in the reality that I belong to God. Therefore, everything I have belongs to God. And it exists for His purpose. That it exists for Him. Here's, here's another reality, and Miss April mentioned this this week as we were talking about some of this stuff, is that giving is not about giving, it's about returning. You know, we, the scripture in Malachi 3 says, bring all the tithes. In other words, return back to the storehouse those things which I have entrusted to you and now require of you to be returned back to my house. We have all been put in a place of stewardship over what God has entrusted us with. Everything I have is really His and He's just put me in charge of it for this season of my life. When I see life that way, then it helps me to open my hand up a little bit more and release those things that I've been entrusted with back to the purpose and the plan of God. Giving is not about giving, it's about returning. It's about returning to the Lord anything and everything He asks of me. What we return to Him, what we place in His hands is always blessed, always multiplied, without fail and without exception. God is good about making things good for you. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, that this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. It leads with the heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. A happy giver. A person who is doing this because they love him. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency. In all things may have an abundance for every good work. When we put it in His hand, what does He do? He makes it sufficient and He makes it not only sufficient, but He makes it abundant for us. I challenge you to find the life in giving. Let God help you discover the freedom that comes from trusting Him in an area of life that is so hard and challenging to trust Him in. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is that if I'm going to find freedom in giving, I have to break the control that money has over my life. The God of this world controls this world through money. You get power by having money. You get money by having power. It all works together, doesn't it? Giving is a litmus test revealing what really controls my heart. Luke 16 and 1 says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
The story of Jacob at Bethel, you'll find it in Genesis chapter 28. And I'm not going to read just because of the time we have. But Jacob grows up in, in his home when he was born. He's a twin brother to his brother Esau. He comes out second, and as he's coming out, he's holding on to the heel of his brother. Many of you know the story well. And because he was holding on to his brother, they, they named him Jacob, which means supplanter, or in our terminology, it would mean cheater. And so all of his life, Jacob grows up being called a cheater, being called a uh, manipulator, being called someone who takes advantage of other people. Jacob lived up to that moniker in his life. Jacob, the very first thing that he does that we read about in Scripture is he tricks his brother, manipulates his brother out of the birthright that he has as being firstborn. Esau comes home from a hunting trip and he's starving to death. Jacob's sitting at home because he's a homebody and he's cooking stew. And Esau comes up, he's dying of hunger, he's just convinced that he's about to lose everything. And Jacob takes that bowl of soup and instead of just giving it to his brother because he loved him and he cared for him, he says, no, I'll give this to you, but first you've got to do something for me. I need this birthright. What has control of Jacob's life is money, power, prestige, advantage. Later on we see Jacob's getting older. Now Isaac is about to pass away his father and it's time for the father to pass the blessing on to the son. Jacob, Esau's again gone on a hunting trip. Jacob sees this as an opportunity to step in and get the blessing that God had already promised him by righteous means to get. Jacob says, I'm going to make sure that happens. And so he steps in dressed in furs and different things like his brother would be and convinces his father that he is... Esau, and his father gives him the blessing, manipulating, cheating, taking advantage. His life is marked by this until a moment that he's on the road, on the run from his brother who now hates his guts and is determined to kill him. He's on this road and along the way comes this place called Bethel. And in that moment, he has an encounter with God that changes his life. He goes to sleep and he has a dream of... uh, Angels coming up and down out of heaven, the stairway of heaven. and The point of the, the dream is that God tells him, I'm going to be with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to be for you. I'm going to take care of you. And at that moment in Jacob's life, he has a true, real experience. He had heard about God before that, but now he knows God. Amen. You know, it's one thing for us to hear about the Lord, but it's another thing for us to know Him personally. Amen. we got to know Him personally. And that experience with God begins to change the trajectory of Jacob's life. No longer is he oriented toward a man's way of getting ahead. Now he is focused on moving toward God's way of getting ahead. Now I'm going to trust the Lord to provide for my outcome. Now I'm going to trust God to provide for my needs. I'm going to trust God to work these things out in my life. And I'm not going to manipulate, take advantage and try to get it my own way. So instead of being controlled by money, now he starts to surrender that and give control over to the Lord. It's a process. You're going to find later on that he kind of manipulates Laban, his uncle, as he's struggling and he's overcoming this. So let me tell you, just by, by Jacob's own story, we see that working these things out is a process. It's, a, it's, a, it's not something that necessarily changes in my life instantly, but over time it's a process where I learn to trust God more and more. But this is what Jacob says to the Lord in Genesis 28 and 22. He says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 
His giving was a response to his encounter with God. His giving was a response to his encounter with God. Out of a heart of gratitude, he develops a heart of giving. A heart of gratitude always results in a heart of giving. And here's what I want you to see, that Jacob's heart was changed. And when his heart was changed, his actions followed. The will always follows the heart. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Another key to breaking the control of money begins when we understand and believe that money is not the answer. God is the answer. Money is not the answer. God is the answer. God is not only our provider. He is also our provision. He is our portion. And He alone is enough. He not only has the answer to every problem, He is the answer to every problem. He alone is enough. And in fact, He is always more than enough. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You notice that the Scripture says that money is not the problem, that the root or the love of money is the problem. The love of money is the problem. God, listen, we know this is true. God never shares his heart, your heart with other things. God never shares your heart with other things. He is first or He is absent. The enemy hates spirit-led giving because it is an indicator of who has your heart and it's not the enemy. The control of money reveals itself in a couple of ways. That's how I know that I'm... and, And the truth is, because we live in a fallen world system, we all struggle with it to a degree, right? I mean, just being real in this place. But here's some couple of indicators that money has, has control of us. A spirit of poverty or a spirit of pride. You could have no money at all and be controlled by it. That's a spirit of poverty. You can have money and be controlled by it. That is a spirit of pride. A spirit of poverty or what we call a poverty mentality will cause you to be ashamed of the blessing of God and actually avoid the blessings of God. You discredit yourself from opportunities. You invalidate yourself for promotion and blessing. We create bondages in our lives like credit cards and loans and things we can't afford. We overextend ourselves. When we receive, we only receive from a victimized place. It's like the beggar staying by the pool of Bethesda instead of embracing a Savior who is offering a better life. If you've been blessed, listen church, if you've been blessed by God because you've done things His way, There's no need to feel guilty about that. We do not minimize or apologize for the blessings of God in our life. I said we do not minimize or apologize for the blessings of God in our life. But we must give Him the glory for those things. Which brings me to the second part of this. The spirit of pride or a pride mentality will cause you to take credit for the blessing of God. It causes us to be quick to tell the world what we have done and what we have accomplished. 
The spirit of pride pretends to be more than it actually is, and so it, is also, it also creates bondage. It creates bondage in the form of also credit cards and loans we can't afford, overextended because we have to keep up certain appearances. From this place we receive, but only from a place of self-sufficiency. No, I don't need anything from you. I'll make it work on my own. Both of those things get stuck in what we call a comparison trap. Pride causes us to compare ourselves with others. Poverty causes us to compare others to ourselves. But both, both get us to compare ourselves with other people. A person with a heart of gratitude compares himself with God and says, Thank you, because when I compare myself to God, I realize I have done nothing for Him and He has done everything for me. Pride says I've earned it. Poverty says I don't deserve it. Gratitude says I receive it because of God's grace and because of God's goodness. And if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't have it anyway. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, And you shall remember the Lord your God. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Break the control of money. Find the freedom in giving. You find the life in giving. To find the freedom in giving, you have to break the control of money over your life. And we have to let God lead the way in every area. This is, we said this last week, and it's so true. Blake, would you come? It is the gateway. Giving is one of those areas that is a gateway to many, many blessings in my life. Because it really is something that once I overcome it, not that we fully overcome it, it's a journey to overcome, but as we begin to overcome it, I should say, we start to see that it is a door that unlocks a lot of other things in our lives. You know, God said, see if I will not open up the window of heaven and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. Amen. I want to tell you a great story. Uh, I've shared this before, but it's just a great story. We were young married, struggling, not making any money, trying to trust God and trying to tithe. Not trying, we were doing. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. But we were struggling with the trust area because it takes a little while for things to start working on your behalf. Working at a clinic, they're shutting down departments and they're shutting down a lot of doctors had left and it looked like I was about to get fired April had gone home because at this time she was pregnant with uh, with Gabe and uh, was home at this point and I was making about 800 bucks a month not making any money they cut my hours back so I went from 800 to 700 and we knew that my job really could be done away with, especially if you were cutting corners. This is the way to do it. You would get rid of my position along with other positions. But we're trusting God, and we're trying to keep our eyes on Him. We're trying to follow Him. We're trying to make sure our hearts are right. and Just let Him work in our lives. And I'll never forget a day, and I'll just give you a short version of this story. I was expecting to get fired. They called me into the, uh, the office, human, human services. And uh, I knew that was my pink slip moment. So I'm walking there, and as I'm walking, I'm just praying, God, you please, you got to do something here. I walk in, and they say, we are going to restructure some of the clinic, and this is what we need. We need you to take on a different job here. We want to put you on salary for 50 hours a week. We're going to give you a quarter an hour raise, 
And then we're also going to pay you mileage as you drive from clinic to clinic about 150 to 200 miles a day. So I went from making $700 a month to making about $1,600 a month in a moment, in a place where everything around me is drying up, withering away. God said, that's not your provision. I'm your provision and I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And He did it. He did it. Incredible what God will do. There's other times in our life when we've been faithful to give. And I'll just be honest with you, it hadn't worked out like that. It just didn't work out the same way. We struggled. We had difficulty. We had times we didn't know what we were going to do as far as food, as far as paying our bills. But here's what I know through it all. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding us, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was in the middle of it all. And that as long as our heart was for Him, that ultimately all things would work out to our good. It may not be easy. It may not come quickly. It certainly may not work out like I think it should. But I promise you it'll work out. We're better today than we were years ago. God continues to elevate us. Sometimes that means means taking a step backwards. Finding yourself in a hotel room when you'd really like to be in your own home. But He always works it out for your good. Always for for your good and His glory every single time. Stand with me across this place. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe a tithe, a tenth, is not the ultimate end. I believe it's the ultimate beginning. I do. I believe that really it's a place that God wants us to get to that begins a journey with Him. The Word tells us that you can't outgive God, and that's a fact. But that doesn't mean we can't try. That doesn't mean we can't try. I believe we need to start with faith. Start at the place that you can trust God and go from there. Let the Spirit of God lead you because He will always lead you to hope, future, life, good things every single time. So let God lead you. I believe this also, that giving the first portion is more important than giving a large portion. I said giving the first portion is more important than giving a large portion. I believe you're better off to give your first 50 than your last 500. Because faith is always in front. Get faith in front and see where it leads you because I bet it will lead you to blessing. I bet it will lead you to blessing. You know, our journey with Christ starts with our relationship with Him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed across this room, I want to give anyone that might be here an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. You're here and you say, Pastor, I don't really know God. I don't really have a relationship with Him. You know, I know about Him, but like Jacob, I need that moment. I need that moment of experience. I need that moment where I, where I have an encounter with Him that changes my life. This is that moment for you. This is your Bethel moment. This is the moment where God wants to walk into this room and meet with you. And so you're here and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I need God. He will change your life. He will touch your life. He will walk with you through every trial, difficulty, challenge, 
conditions surrounding you, God will be your God and He will be there for you. I promise you. So if that's you, would you just slip your hand up there and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need an encounter with Him. I need a moment that changes my life. I need a moment that sets me on a new direction with Him. Is that you this morning? Yes, amen. There are other hands in this place that say, that's me. I need that relationship with God. The Word of God tells us that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into their life and be with them. Revelation 3.20 Father, in this room there are people that need you, that need an encounter with you. Lord, we trust that you are meeting them right where they are. And God, as we call upon you, you are always quick to listen quick to respond, quick to come to us, God. We thank you that you are a present help in time of trouble, that, God, all the things that we've done in our life can be passed away. Old things pass away, and all things become new in Jesus Christ. So, Father, in this moment, whether it's beginning a relationship with you or if it's just letting go of the past in any way, shape, or form, God, we begin a new journey with you right now in this moment. Today is fresh. Today is a new start. Today is a new beginning. Today I begin a journey with you, Lord. Lead me, guide me, direct me, walk before me, and help me to keep in step with your spirit. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burt Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself. Face down.